0: Uh, From the moment I walked in here, just everything has just been confirming what the Lord put on my heart to share with you today. And before I get started, I want to read the words to one of the songs that we just sung today, Days of Elijah, because that's where we are. And even though this song is very familiar to us, I really want to just take the time just to read these words um, as part of this word that the Lord has given me to share said these are the days of Elijah declaring the word of the Lord and these are the days of your servant Moses righteousness being restored. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Sometimes we sing these words and we don't really think about it but that's the day we're living in everybody mm-hmm. and that wasn't easy for Moses. He had to go up against Pharaoh and a system that had held God's people in bondage for 400 years of severe and intense demonic uh, lifestyles. You have to understand that when, that the arrogance that Pharaoh had wasn't just him as a leader, it was the arrogance of that entire nation that man was just simply the face and the voice of a nation that was very proud and very strong in their demonic system. That's the reason why he, uh, Pharaoh so, so arrogantly said, well, who is this God? <laughs> As we all know the story, uh, Moses threw down the rod and it became a serpent and they weren't even impressed. We're thinking, as believers of God, who see a miracle, you know, if we have a miracle today, even amongst God's people, man, they'll just, that'll be on the news and CNN and, you know, everybody will take out their cameras and start taking pictures and everything. And these guys didn't, didn't flinch. Seeing a rod turn into a snake. Why? Because Pharaoh could just snap his fingers and say, hey, guys, do the same thing. which tells you that they were quite accustomed to seeing supernatural things happen. Mm-hmm. And America is so deceived that we think every time we see something is supernatural that it's God. Right. But everything supernatural that happens is not godly. How many of you know that? Right. So these guys weren't even impressed with what they just beheld. But as we know, uh, the serpent that, that Uh, The rod that had been turned into a serpent, it devoured the serpents that had been established and created out of the demonic realm. And even as the story goes, as God brought on the plagues upon Egypt, these guys would just go and duplicate them. Isn't that something? So when we're talking about these being the days of your servant Moses, then we're talking about living in a time and a season where the move of God will be imitated. And only those who can have the discernment of God. Isn't it something how this is so necessary now? Only those who really know God will know the difference. My Lord. And it says goes on to say and these also th- these and though these are days of great trials. Of famine and darkness and sword, still we are the voice in the desert crying, prepare ye the way of the Lord. And that's exactly what I believe is where we are. We're in the days of trial and famine, both naturally and spiritually, and sword. Last time we were here, as you guys may recall, my wife and I, we were ministering and talking about uh, prevailing in perilous times, and uh, we are in serious times in this world, not just in America, but in the world, and like no other time in the history of the world, there are things that are happening in various parts of the world that are directly impacting us, they're directly affecting us. And I don't share these things with you for us to go into fear or panic, but know to do just what we have just done today, to make the decision that I'm going to worship the Lord. I'm going to ride with him. Amen. Amen. <laughs> I'm riding with him. <laughs> he is our only salvation. Uh, even though I know where I'm going to cast my vote on Tuesday, uh, I'm not going to cast my confidence there. No. I don't trust in the arm of man. Nope. We have a responsibility as believers to vote and to vote according to the biblical principles of, this, uh, of, of his word, uh, uh, to vote according to the word of God. But even if we are outvoted, you know what matters most? Is that between me and my maker, between me and God, he knows I signed off on him. Yes. Right. That's what this is about. Right. It's not about if rather, if rather I, our, guy, our guy wins, it's do, does our God win? If right. our guy doesn't win, our God still right. wins. Regardless. 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 So I will cast my vote but, I will, but I, will, you know, my, I will cast my vote for a human being, but I will cast my confidence in the Lord our God. Amen. Yes. To me, we're at this level of where Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego when they confronted Nebuchadnezzar right. and he, you know, the threat that they were facing to be thrown into the fiery furnace. And they said, we're not careful to answer you in this matter. But even if our God doesn't deliver, I will not. We will not bow. That's where I stand for Tuesday, November the 8th. Even if it doesn't go the way we want it to, between me and you, I will not bow. And I want you to understand that when, that, uh, when God has a church in America that's like that, that refuses to bow, you can outvote me. You can outvote me, you can outnumber me, but you cannot overthrow our God. That's the history that we have as believers. I'm talking about our legacy here today. Time after time after time, God's people have been in prison, they've been in slavery, they've been in bondage, they've been under dictators, they've been under socialism, communism, they've been under Roman rule, we've been under so many things, but nothing has ever been able to stop the move and the plan and the will of God. Come on, bless the Lord in this place today. I share this with you because I know that you can be a little bit nervous about how this is all going to turn out. (laughs) But I want you to know we win no matter what. The word of the Lord says, why do the nations rage imagining a vain thing? Our God laughs from the heavens because he's already installed his King. Do you know that God, the King of Glory, has already been established? He's already been installed. He didn't. He, he, his position didn't come by vote. And no matter who gets voted in to go and sit in a certain position in one nation on this planet, you remember what Jesus told, uh, 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 Pilate, told Pilate while he was, you know, going through uh, the trial and. And being questioned, and he says to Pilate, my my kingdom's not of this world. In other words, you know what? It doesn't matter what you do to me because no matter what you do, it's according to my father's plan. The only reason why I'm here about to be crucified, about to be executed is because that's the reason why I came in the first place. Rome will not win. These Jewish leaders who are now feeling very satisfied that I'm in this position don't understand this was the plan all along. So nothing that seems like, and imagine how Jesus' disciples felt. I'm nowhere near what I planned to say right today, but I didn't know what the Lord would give me today. But I I feel led to share these things with you because we are about to go through this. And when the, imagine how his disciples felt, when they had a particular image in their mind, of how they thought this was all going to happen. The Messiah is here, and their understanding of the Messiah was, this is the one who's going to come and overthrow our enemies. And now we're watching him get beat up and he's being whipped and he's on trial, and it looks like the Jewish leaders are going to win, and then we watch him actually get executed. Imagine how they felt when it looks like everything that we've given ourselves to, that it's all falling apart and it's not going to happen, only to discover three days later that this is exactly what God had in mind. Amen. Could it be that the days that are ahead for us are exactly what God has in mind for the United States Amen. of America Amen. and for the church within that nation you got to understand that when, when God is moving in, in, that his thoughts are higher than our thoughts his ways are higher than our ways yes, yes Lord and the reason why I share this with you is because no matter if if the person that we want to win does win do you understand that we're still in for some serious battles. We're in for some very serious battles. And again, I don't say that to discourage you, but again put us in that position like wow, well God, well let's just see what you're going to do. Yeah. I have great and great excitement and expectation yeah. Yeah. for what is about to happen to America? We are about to go through a change like unto 9/11, where 9/10 America was one way, and on 9/11 our nation completely changed. To me, it's not so much what's going. Not so much the focus is on November the 8th, but my emphasis is on November the 9th. What will America be on November the 9th? And it's interesting enough, that's 9-11 turned around. That's 11-9. So I'm very excited about 11-9. Whereas 9-11, we saw something horrible happen to our nation. And here we are now approaching an 11-9. And God, what do you have in mind? The one thing I do know, that on 11-9, America will not be the same as it was on 11-8. The church, more importantly, will not be the same. We have now reached the hour where we must discern the body of Christ. Who is really, and I'll say this from my city background, who is really down for Jesus? The, the, the line has been drawn now. Yeah. Whose side are you really on? Yeah. Uh, we've reached a point now where uh, even though they will use the terms and use terminology like, like political view, but this isn't my political view. This is my conviction. Yes. This is my conviction. And now we've reached a point where our convictions can cost us our jobs. That's where we are. That's the line that the enemy has now drawn. There used to be a time when uh, you could just live your Christian life and you don't bother anybody on the job and nobody bothers you and, you know, who cared what you really believed or thought? But now it's reached a point where even with our quiet, not bothering anybody, you know, lifestyle, even that is offensive. Isn't it crazy? Yep. If I don't go to this, if I don't attend that, if I'm not a part of this agenda, if not a part of this meeting and this group and this special interest activity, then it automatically lets everybody know that you're not in agreement with that. And I can't go to it. I can't be a part of it. Why? Because it would be me bowing down to Nebuchadnezzar's image and I can't they forced it the enemy has forced it right into our schools, right into the workplace so I refuse to I'm not going into the unisex bathroom I'm not I'm not going to let my child participate in their agendas so now that we've reached that point We need and are expecting God to move sovereignly on our behalf. But our posture has to be like those three Hebrew boys. God is able, school board, to deliver me out of your hands. But even if he don't, I'm not gonna bow. God is able to deliver me out of your hands. Whoever sits in the Oval Office, whoever sits in the governor's office, whoever is the mayor of our various cities and townships, whoever is sitting on our school boards, whoever are our congressmen and representatives and senators, no matter who is even in law enforcement and our teachers and and our lawyers, our attorneys and our physicians and our healthcare specialists, no matter who they are, where we will run into the place where We'll need to compromise in order to keep our benefits or keep our status or keep our income. I refuse to bow to the enemy. We've reached that point. It's gonna cost us some relationships. It's gonna cost us some relationships. That's why I said this is deeper than just who wins. Let's just say that we have a conservative sweeping victory, but I want you to understand that it won't matter because now we have family members and friends and co-workers and school teachers and people in law enforcement and attorneys and healthcare. They're everywhere who are opposed to anything or anybody that has anything to do with godly things with godly ways. That's why the fight, it's, it's on our soil now. It's in our faces now. And our posture must be, Lord, for you I live and for you I die. And certainly we can do that because we already have brothers and sisters all around the world who have been under actual physical persecution. They have been laying down their lives and now has, it's come to us, America. I didn't expect this to be so heavy today, but I just sensed the presence of the Lord. It's come to us now. And though they aren't, you know, we aren't in the position of being lined up in the street and, and uh, to be shot, even though we aren't being put in prison to be tortured, we are at least at that first level of will you compromise in your walk with God in everyday life my lord god i want to just share with you in these just these brief moments as you know i'm always writing something my wife and i we are writers um and um you guys are going to get the first the, the the first of this this is actually going to be coming out many of you know that every single week we send out a newsletter to uh, uh the folks that are on our email list uh, so Gary, you're gonna get it you'll hear it today before you <laughs> before you open up the newsletter this week. <laughs> and it's called We Must Be Prepared for a Battle. My my overseer, who happens to be my older brother, um we were in a text messaging conversation, him and a couple of other uh of my colleagues. We're part of what's called the Urban Pastors and Leaders Alliance. It's uh, headquartered in St. Louis and And so um, we were texting and talking about the election, uh, how the church is going to need to respond, what we need to be doing, talking to with our congregations and the people that we're in relationship with. And I brought up this point of what I just shared with you about no matter who wins, the church needs to get ready for a battle. And so he said, would you write that out for me? You know, write an opinion editorial that I can put. I'm like, okay. (laughs) And he's like that. (laughs) I need an opinion editorial. So I'm like, okay, I don't know what he's going to do with this, if this is going to show up in the newspapers in St. Louis or some magazine somewhere, but okay, I'll write. And then uh, this week he told me he shared it with the intercessors in our home church back in St. Louis. And every year he hosts what's called an urban world summit where various leaders across the city gather uh, to discuss and talk about and provide answers for dealing with inner city issues in St. Louis. And so this year is the the 30th year of that summit. And he may have had copies of this uh, made and distributed throughout the summit. So I don't know how far this is going, but I want to share it with you guys today. It goes like this. Like millions of, people in America, I was engaged in a texting conversation about the upcoming election and what it will mean for American churches in in our country. My conversation was with gentlemen that I highly respect and whose views and opinions are very important to me. While many conversations are leaving people conflicted, I tend to focus on what we're going to do on the day after the election the day after casting my vote, and my candidate, candidate has either won or lost. Since I'm a man, a husband, a father, a life coach, an ordained minister, and an overall nice guy, at least my wife of 35 years thinks so. <laughs> <laughs> she still smiles, so I guess it's okay. I must say that the various issues surrounding this e- election have left in my humble opinion, millions of people of faith, very anxious about this year's outcome. There are various camps, denominations, and groups who are vehemently opposed to one another's political views, even to the point of questioning the legitimacy of one another's faith. In other words, and I don't know if you've heard this kind of conversation, how can you say that you are saved If you're going to vote for Trump, how can you even say you are saved and you're going to vote for Hillary? It's reached that level. My wife and I uh, saw a conference that was held, a video of these gentlemen who were questioning various uh, uh, churches around the world because of the failings of the leaders in those various ministries or some of the doctrines that are taught there but they were questioning the even the music and the worship styles um, of some of those ministries now some of those ministries most of them we sing their songs we've loved their music uh, but they were even questioning even all of that uh, because of the leaders and saying things like I don't even know how anybody could even call themselves a born-again believer and be in a worship service like that. And so the level of critiquing and judging and attacking one another is happening at the worst time. This is the worst time for the body of Christ to be divided with what's happening in our world. That's why I share this with you. Let me continue. This level of hostility is very dangerous, very dangerous, and the day after the election will simply drive the various fragments of the various faith camps even further apart. If we're in this much of a battle before the election, imagine what's gonna happen on the day after when one side or the other has won. How, what will be the response to that part of the body of Christ that was on the losing end? That's the question. How will the losers of the election, the body of Christ, how will they respond? Wow. If we allow this division to fester, it will prove to be a critical mistake after the election regardless of the outcome people of faith will need to rally together like never before and that's because many American Christians who are leaning towards a conservative as the president we see a loss as the signal to the progressives that they can now launch overt attacks against religious liberty in America however They see a conservative victory as at least a postponement or a pushing back against that tide. While all of that may be true, there's another thought that I'd like to throw into the mix of outcomes. The way I see it, if conservatives lose this election, there will be be an overt assault on religious freedom coming directly from the new government. However, if conservatives win, I believe the American church should still anticipate retaliation from the public. And when I say public, I mean special interest groups, activist groups, vigilantes and people who simply don't like Christianity or really anything religious. In my view, the soil of this nation is so saturated with anti-Christian hatred that church leaders need to be preparing their leadership teams and their congregations for some major public pushback, regardless as to who wins the election. This is not the time to just sit back and see what happens on November the 8th. I believe church leaders need to put in a a plan of action for November 9th and the days, weeks, and months that follow. And I'll talk about that plan of action in a minute. If the progressives and liberals win, and I use that phrase on purpose, and I, I think I shared this with you guys before, progressive is code word for atheists and agnostics. That's what that means. I know it sounds like such a progressive, advancing, moving forward. Uh, code word, atheist. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And I'm also being, I'm learning uh, from the position that my wife are in because we are working in the inner city and the inner city is under the grip of the progressives and the liberals. So we have to be careful with our language. Here's the reason why. Not because we're ashamed of the gospel and ashamed of, no, but because we will lose the very people that we're trying to help. So we have to be very careful. So I'm not able, Carol and I aren't able to, even in our conversation, to just say Hillary, Democrats, we have to use words like progressives, liberals. Because you do understand that our president over the last eight years has just been the face. I hope you guys already know that presidents don't really call the shots. They're there as a face, read the speech, kiss the baby, shake the hands, (laughs) push the agenda. That's their job. They're just the face of something that's bigger that's happening and now they're just trying to continue the agenda with a different face. So it's not the person and we've been telling people this election is not about the person or the personalities. It's about the purpose. Yeah. We're voting about purpose. What's really behind that face. And we've had to do that so, so as to help some people to understand we're not attacking their candidate. This isn't personal. I hate, some, hate sometimes using that term, but it's really true. This isn't personal. This is purposeful. Bless the Lord. I feel God giving us wisdom, even of how to help us talk to family and friends about it. So I offer that to you today. Uh, Don't just say the names, don't just speak names. Uh, It's not just Hillary, it's not just Democrats. Talk to them about purpose. Wow. If the progressives and liberals win, I believe many of us will need to begin to get our houses in order. I mean, many churches across the country. Yeah, if the progressives win, win you better get your house in order because they're coming after us. Get your house in order. The legal matters, financial matters, administrative issues, operational policies, get, in, get ready. Um, many more are going to be forced to join the fight. Many people who haven't joined the fight yet, they're going to be forced to now. Nobody will be able to sit on the sideline. Not one single church in America. Even the little storefront in the inner city that's only got five members. (laughs) And I don't say this to put us in fear. Because again, we've already talked about it. We're, God's got us. Isn't it amazing, I'm just amazed at how God has led led you guys into worship today. You didn't know I was had this in my heart to share, but he wanted to give us the right perspective. That God is awesome. He's got us. Wow. Bless the Lord. Many more are going to be forced to join the fight. While many churches and ministries uh already have home groups and small groups and things like that in place, I believe that many more are gonna need to consider making this a stronger part of their gatherings. Start getting ready. More family groups, home groups, small groups. It's gonna be, for many churches right now, it's just kind of a side thing we think about sometimes. But no, you're gonna have to think about it as seriously (laughs) What are we going to do if there are some times that we can't all gather together in the same place? Wow. Why? Why am I saying this? Because it's happened. It's happening in countries all over the world right now where the borders came down and huge influxes of uh, people were brought in and Christians were forced underground to meet in their homes for safety's sake, to not meet in, no longer meet in their church building or not as regularly. They had to change the schedule. They couldn't do it on Sunday mornings. They had to shift it to other times when they didn't normally think of people going to church. Why am I saying this? Not out of fear, getting us ready. Getting us ready. Right, here in America? Yeah, here in America. The Bible says in Proverbs that A wise man sees danger coming and prepares, whereas the simpleton does nothing and then suffers the consequences. Why am I saying this? Because if rather our guy wins or not, we need to get ready. Now, these are just some of the the surface preliminary stuff. This is just some of the surface preparation stuff. I'm going to get to the real, the real good stuff for us in just a second here. It's coming. It's coming. Um, however, if conservatives win, I think we might want to consider making plans to deal with the activist groups. In other words, if IGAR wins, we still got to get ready to deal with activist groups who may stage protests. Outside or within our church services. The reason why I share this is because it's already starting to happen. Mm-hmm. There was a particular church, I think it was in Detroit, inner city church, uh, a black pastor, and some people in the community just burst in one Sunday morning and interrupted the service with a demonstration. This is before. We haven't even gotten to the election yet. That's why I'm saying that. It's starting to happen. Now people are getting more and more emboldened to voice their opposition to godly things and godly people. There was no violence, but they just interrupted the service. But I'm saying, if pastors and leaders are already prepared, we're expecting this to, uh, these kind of things to happen, we can already, even now, say, Lord, give us your strategy. Should something like this happen, to us, well, how should we respond, what's, the, what's your strategy for us to be able to handle that, so that we don't, in a panic, start fighting them, pushing them, all of that, what if your strategy in your church, well, if they happen to do that, then we'll just tell the musicians, all right, you uh, can uh, say, okay, Gary, go back there and play, uh, these are the days of Elijah, right. and let's sing. <laughs> Yeah. then we don't panic nope. no one gets in a panic I remember growing up in inner city St. Louis and uh, being a part of prayer gatherings, all night prayer gatherings and there were people that sometimes would stumble into the church who were drunk who were high once I saw a woman come in and she was uh, manifesting demons totally interrupted the service these, pe- these folks I didn't know you know I'm just a kid and I'm watching this as like on cue the pastor just simply just they got up and they just started binding the power of the enemy working on this woman and so they took what could have been an awkward moment and it turned into a deliverance service that was the 60's could it be that God would allow these kinds of things to happen so that we step up and do what we're supposed to do. We don't panic, we don't start, no one starts screaming, and we don't call security. No, no, we're gonna deal with this right now. You wanna confront the people of God? Then that, we're just the people of God. But do you want to confront the God of the people? See, they're trying to confront the people of God, but we've got to come back with the God of the people. Come on, bless the Lord. Hallelujah. Some powerful things are going to happen in this place. Yes. 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 I expect the barn to have, an invita- have the reputation of folks that show up with intentions to do harm who fall under the presence and power of God, not when they get to the door, but as they're driving down that they sense the presence of God, the fear of God. Where the angelic hosts that have been assigned to this place stopped them in their tracks. And like the uh, like Saul, that they have an encounter with God, and they end up walking in here saying, What must I do to be saved? Back in the days when my, my older brother, you know, I, t- I talk about him a lot, but my wife and I traveled with him in, in the days as an evangelistic teen. He tells the story of, we was, he was ministering in Little Rock, Arkansas, and those were the days, some of you remember the traveling evangelists who used to go to a city and they have services every night of the week, and he was one of those kind. And so there was this one particular woman, she was coming home every night and telling her husband about this powerful speaker, every night he's awesome this is so wonderful and the husband you know uh, asked where is he from and he said she said he's from St. Louis Missouri where her husband um, was from St. Louis Missouri and he used to run a a racket in the church there he pretended him and his buddies got together and pretended to be a church one guy could really sing uh, another guy could really preach Uh, even though they weren't saved. And the other was just responsible for collecting the money. So when he heard about this guy from St. Louis, he figured this guy must be like running a racket like I used to. So he got his gun and came to church, came to church with his gun, with plans (coughs) to shoot this evangelist from St. Louis. He tells in his own he tells us the story because we wouldn't have known this he, he said as soon as i walked into the foyer of the church the fear of god came upon me the holy spirit came upon me and i began to cry and tremble and so he ended up taking a seat in the back of the church so he we went from all this tough, tough guy to And sitting down and hearing the word of God and God saved that night. That's what I'm looking forward to. So when I tell these stories about what these activist groups and people are planning on doing and coming against the church, that's why I'm excited because I see it as this is what we've been waiting for. You know, the Lord had already told the church to go into all the world, preach the gospel. He told us to go and make disciples. So we wouldn't go as Americans. So you know what? God is setting up the situations for them to come. And even though they will come with wrong motives and intentions, they will encounter the power of God, the presence of God. Yeah, they're gonna send their spies in here and when they come, guys love on them. Just love on them. They'll send their spies. Yes, they will. Because they want to hear what's taught here and what's said here and what can we gather, grab a, what message can we grab a hold of that we could use against them. But while they're sitting there. Let them encounter the Almighty God. Love on them. Grab them. Hug them. So glad to see you today because you never know who they will be. Yes, Lord. Now you see why I'm so excited. Amen. I realize there are those who are from certain camps who may feel like I'm inciting fear and speaking negatively in such a way that it can. Bring panic upon many in the church. And actually, I'm just asking church leaders to implement this Proverbs twenty-seven twelve principle that says, and I've already quoted it, a prudent person foresees danger and takes precautions. The simpleton goes blindly on and suffers the consequences. That's Proverbs twenty-seven twelve. Yes, I say this with great caution. I know this can sound alarmist and overreaching we need to realize that this election is not about winners and losers. (coughs) This is about the way our society will view the church on November the 9th and beyond. And I want you to consider this. that No matter who wins the election, the church will be in the middle of a battle. So we must do more than raise the level of our people's excitement and interest to vote. Don't give them the impression that everything will be okay if their candidate wins like Jeremiah of old when he was warning the warning warning Israel of what God said was coming upon them I'm saying we need to be prepared the same way I believe November 9th will be day one of a new level of warfare on the church in America and we must be ready for the battle. And here's how one last thing I want to share with you about being ready for the battle. I believe it's time for us to prepare the church to to pray. And I mean daily prayer. Around the clock prayer. I call it even if we don't do anything else on the agenda prayer. <laughs> how many times have you found yourself coming and All that you planned to do, you didn't do it. I love it. Don't you love those times where the Holy Spirit just interrupts all the plans? And you may be wondering, why is God interrupting our service today? Why is God interrupting what we plan to do today? And it's because he knows who will be sitting there in our midst. And even if no one is there, he knows what he is imparting to us that we're going to need to take home or take to our job that week I trust the Holy Spirit at that level something that I shared with our folks on Friday night was is basically this I give you these this these couple of scriptures and then I'll stop first one is Romans 5 verses 10 and 11 is in the New King James version of the Bible it reads for if when we were enemies were reconciled to God through the death of his son, so much more, so much more, having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And not only that, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom, and here's the key, we have now received the reconciliation. Now, the word reconcile, it means to make oneself, um, uh, to become friendly with Somebody that you were estranged or you were uh, enemies that you get reconnected to reestablish relationship between two or more people to settle a quarrel or to settle a difference. Uh, Some of you use that word when it comes to accounting and bookkeeping, reconciling. That's the same thing that happened between us and God. Now, when you look at... uh, the passage of Scripture, 2 Corinthians, is the second scripture I want to give you for today. 2 Corinthians 5, verses 17 through 21. And it says, therefore, and you, all of you are familiar with this, it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Then verse 18. Now all things are of God, who has reconciled us. There's that word again reconciled us to himself how did he do it through Jesus Christ and then here is our ministry I want you to think that this is our ministry and has given us the ministry of reconciliation verse 19 that is that God was in Christ God was in Christ reconciling or settling the difference between the world and himself, not imputing or counting their trespasses against them and has committed to us, God has committed to us the word of reconciliation. I bring this up because remember I said you got millions of believers are on one side of this political battle, millions on the other. No matter which side we end up on, you know what we're going to need to do? We're going to need to bring the word of reconciliation. We are ambassadors, representatives of Christ. And on November the 9th, I want you to see this as the time for us to launch into the ministry of reconciliation in a fresh and a new way. It's not about arguing and battling for our point, for our perspective. One thing uh, me and my wife learned in our marriage was that it was more important, I, I really had to learn this one as a husband, all the husbands don't say anything yet, Wives, don't look at them funny when I say this. Many of us husbands have to learn the difference between winning an argument and winning your wife. It was far better to win her than to win the argument. Why am I saying that? Because the, men, the word of reconciliation will have to operate in our lives on November the 9th and following It's not important to win the argument. We'd rather win our brothers and sisters in the Lord. And let God work it out in their own life. For all who voted for the progressives and the liberals, for all of the believers. And I want you to know why so many believers are voting for the progressives and the liberals. And that is because the issues of justice are very important to them. There is a reason. You don't just say, how can they be called themselves saved? That's because progressives and liberals focus on issues of justice. Whereas conservatives, we tend to focus more on issues of rights. Only the body of Christ has the wisdom given to us by God to establish both justice and rights, or liberty, justice and liberty. Remember what we said at the end of our pledge, with liberty and justice for all. But if you got one side that's focusing on liberties and another side that's focusing on justice, then you've got believers who are going to go with whoever is emphasizing what's most important in my life right now. So if you have believers who already feel I have the liberties that I need, but I don't feel I have the justice, then that's why they're going to lean towards that. And you've got other believers, conservatives, we tend to think in terms of, well, I'm not dealing with issues of justice. The issues that are most concerning to me is, will I have the liberties? And now can you see, only in Christ do you have liberty and justice for all. Man can't work that out. (laughs) Governments have tried for thousands of years to work this out. And some governments have just said, Look, I don't care about liberties or justice for any of you. I'm the guy at the top. It's going to be the way I say. And in the midst of those type of governments, God's church has still flourished. And what drew people to God's church went under governments that did not care, because in His church, in the kingdom, they saw liberty and justice in Christ so this is the word of reconciliation we're going to need to bring to our brothers and sisters that I know that the issues of justice are very important to you but the justice that you but the justice that you are trying to vote for and put it into the hands of a system to bring to the world can only come through Christ. And of course, they're going to argue with you about the liberties issue. You, see. you can even tell them, yes, you're right. Many times, conservatives haven't done a good job by putting so much emphasis on liberties, and they haven't taken care of the matters of the poor and the, and the disenfranchised. I, I know, I, I know, I know. But we shared this with our people on, on Friday night, and that is because our perspective is this the issues of justice and helping the poor and the widows and the disenfranchised, God never intended that to be the role of government. That was supposed to be the church. So when we're voting for liberty, what we're asking for is we want the liberty to be able to be the church. Because if we can continue to be free to be the church, we'll deal with the issues of justice from the church. Now you see why God is working on the church, because now he had to get the church out of stop chasing money and the next big thing that's going on and start doing what the early church did, who took care of the people in the world that nobody took care of. Do you understand that the progressives and the liberals wouldn't even have a leg to stand on if the church in America had been doing its job all along? They wouldn't even have a platform because the people in the communities would go, well, I get that from my church. (laughs) What are you guys talking about? I get that from my church. Or here's an even better one. My family takes care of that for me. Could it be that reason why the message of jubilee and prosperity that God sent into the church, especially in the '80s and the '90s was because He was trying to position us to do justice, not just our own personal wealth and prosperity, but to take it and do justly? Wow. And so I'm praying for um, God give us another chance. That's what I'm praying. November the 8th. God you don't have to. You really don't have to but we ask you to give the church in America one more chance to get it right. Yes. Amen. And even if our guy doesn't win still God right. give us another chance Amen. to get it right. Bless the Lord our God. Come on, bless them right now. Thank you, Lord. And I'll stop here at verse 20. Second Corinthians chapter five, verse 20 says this. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ as though God were pleading through us. Isn't that amazing? We are ambassadors for Christ as though God was talking to the world through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God, for he made him, he's talking about Jesus, he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him, amen and amen. Lord, we just thank you right now. I just feel led to pray um, for Tuesday, for the body of Christ, and even as I'm praying and guys, if, if any one of you, if you sense a prayer in your heart just to pray out, you can just uh, raise your hand and I'll acknowledge and we'll pray, we'll make this part of a corporate prayer, praying together, and I'll just get started. I'll just lead out, but if others, if a prayer comes up in your spirit and feel led just to pray it out in our, in our midst here today, please feel free to do so. Father, we thank you for this historic moment that has come to our nation And you are moving in so many different ways within the body, in the world, in our various systems in this nation. You have used this man, Donald Trump, to just to shake things up. (laughs) You have used even uh, Hillary Clinton to push us and to prod us and to set our priorities right. Lord, we thank you for how you have used the fiasco of this election (laughs) to get our confidence off of man. But Lord, we don't just cast our confidence to the wind. We place all of our confidence in in you alone. So Lord, as we're coming up on this election, we make up in our minds right now that we will cast our vote if there's any of you that we're not planning on voting at all I'm telling you please please still vote let it be recorded in the heavens that you stood with God let what we sung to this morning that be your signature to the Lord to say I'm riding with you He's riding on that horse across the nation. Let Tuesday be your signal to say, God, I'm riding with you. The outcome is not the issue. That's not the issue. The outcome of the election is not the issue. It's the process of establishing who is on the Lord's side. And Lord, even for those believers who don't know what's really going on. And they will vote for a progressive liberal agenda because issues of justice are important to them. Lord, we say now we will hold no animosity, no bitterness against them. We will not question their loyalty to you. We just simply see this is where they are thank you Lord and we ask you to give us opportunities even among Christian brothers and sisters family and friends that you would give us opportunities for reconciliation thank you Lord yes Lord we thank you for giving us opportunities to be ambassadors for Christ to represent you Thank you, Lord. represent you in their life to represent your perspective Lord I thank you for giving us the ability to really to listen to hear their heart Lord help them to be able to hear just say that Lord help them to hear my heart more importantly help them to hear your heart yes Lord thank you Lord Do you remember the times and the seasons that you were sincere, but you were sincerely wrong? (laughs) I'm saying this for a reason so that we can really see our brothers and sisters. You can be sincere, but you can be sincerely wrong. And God's still looking at their heart. And we must do the same. Do you understand that there were people that Jesus encountered, especially all of the apostles whom he chose, but he chose them where they were. They were not fit for service when he met them, but he still chose them where they were at that time. And he walked them through a three-year process. He appointed them apostles before they were even ready to be apostles. So, why am I saying that? Because there are brothers and sisters who are going to vote a certain way, and they are where the disciples were when Amen. Jesus first met them. That's just where they are in their walk right now. And perhaps the next few years will be part of their journey to coming into finding out what I just did and I didn't know. But he doesn't want us alongside, alongside of them the whole time saying, I told you, I told you, you should have listened to me. <laughs> he wants us continuing the word of reconciliation. Because what happens is we start to understand their heart a little bit better. And we begin to take up the causes of justice on our own, for ourselves. Thank you, Lord. Anybody have a prayer that you wanted to pray out? We'll just join in with you. Thank you, Lord. I'm looking at you. He always is ready to pray. (laughs) Thank you, Lord. Lord, thy kingdom come. That's what I heard. When you go in and cast your ballot, I want you to take a moment and pause and just say, Lord, thy kingdom come, and thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Amen.